Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston, Texas, that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode, we're diving into one element of business or strategy and testing our theory of love against it. And today, we're going to be talking about a very important and relevant topic for many businesses, probably most businesses, right now in these unprecedented times. We're talking about survival. We want to find out what's it going to take to survive in today's business climate? What, is it, what does it look like to survive and what role might love play in it? So to help answer these questions, we've invited a very special guest to the show. But before I welcome him, let me introduce some familiar faces, or should I say voices, who will be joining me in this discussion. We have Mohammed Anwar, President and CEO of Softway. Hey, Jack. And Chris Petrie, Vice President at Softway. Howdy. All right. And without further ado, our guest today is Jeff Brown. Jeff's specialty is guiding private technology companies through growth and mergers and acquisitions. He is an experienced executive having led startups, turnarounds, and many M&A transactions. And for nearly 30 years, he's helped build resilient technology companies and advise their executives, boards, and investors. His newest venture is Navant Partners, a specialized consulting firm helping clients prepare their companies for sale by building resilience and driving growth. And most recently, he was senior VP of Quorum Group, a leading global investment bank focused exclusively on technology mergers and acquisitions to launch. Previously, he was president of WorkSuite, a British public company subsidiary, which he restructured, led to market leadership, and then divestiture. He co-founded Intelligis, a pioneer in wireless computing, and launched Western Hemisphere operations for another British company, Simon Petroleum Technology. He was an executive at GeoQuest Systems, a venture-backed leader in petroleum software, acquired first by Raytheon and then Schlumberger. Jeff began his career as a geologist on the research faculty at Columbia University and is a published author on climate change. Jeff, welcome to the show. Did I miss anything? Jeff, no, that's uh, that sounds pretty complete. Thank you. <laughs> it's uh, amazing. Glad, glad to be here. Hello, Muhammad. Hello, Chris. Hi. Hey, Jeff. It's going to be very confusing. I love your first name, first of all. I love it. Um, big fan of it, but it's going to be very confusing for this episode. But let's go with it. Um, we have a tradition of starting with some some icebreakers. I have some survival-themed icebreakers for us today to meet the, the show's theme. And I'll start with you, Jeff. If you were stranded on a desert island and could only bring three things with you, what would they be? Oh, shoot. What would they be? Ah, good question. Um, a complete collection of Bonnie Raitt's music, number one. Okay. Uh, Six-pack of Coors, number two. <laughs> and um, an umbrella, number three. <laughs> oh, wow. I love it. So I already have a mental picture of that, that island. It's wonderful. <laughs> It'll be a great hour and a half i don't know before you run out of <laughs> well you didn't Six say years. anything about resilience or survival in that question that, that's so true that's true i figured i was going to get rescued at some point that's true so somebody's going to come and save him that's always a good mindset like that's always an mindset. <laughs> <laughs> muhammad what's your uh -huh. most what's your most impressive survival skill the ability to stay without food and water for many hours at a stretch, mm. which I think could come in handy. I practice it quite a bit. That's true. You do. Chris, what's the best way to survive a zombie apocalypse? The best way to survive a zombie apocalypse? Hmm. I think it's to, one, understand their patterns as zombies. Like, there's different types of zombies. So <laughs> there are those that's, that are nocturnal. And there, there are those that, like, are, you know, sort of day acting and night acting. So depending on what you're dealing with, you know, you have to study your enemy. Um, you might find that, you know, if you think I am legend, right, like, you have to have a hideout during the day and night um, that you can ward off any of human your human scent 
so you stay safe and then during the day you go out and rummage for food but if they are fully you know active during the daytime then you have to think about your weaponry right and what are the ways that you can defend yourself and still stay safe so I mean, that's not a clear answer, but also you didn't set me up for whether the style of zombie attack or apocalypse. So <laughs> so if anyone like... out there is wondering, yes, this is what it's like to work with Chris. Um, for yes. sure. But great answer, of course, as always. <laughs> so let's dive into this, Jeff. Um, I wanted to list out, um, you know, all the things that you've done, because it's really important in this conversation we have today. You have some expertise and experience, uh, quite a bit of it. In, in, in helping guide us through this current um, unprecedented kind of economic climate we're in, can you give us your perspective of what we're seeing out in the world right now? Well, sure, I'd be happy to share my perspective. It's <clears throat> not a very optimistic perspective right now, so I'll, I'll give you some uh, advanced warning on it, but uh, it's a difficult time. And, and if we're talking about uh, businesses, especially uh, small businesses, and we're also talking about employees. It's a really challenging time, un unprecedented, as I think we all recognize. Um, we're in the midst of a virus or healthcare-driven economic crisis, and it's creating an awful lot of stress and difficulty for individuals, for small businesses, as well as large businesses. And uh, unfortunately, I think the, um, the impact will be with us for quite some time. And it will be quite a while before we fully recover from uh, the kind of challenging environment we're faced with right now. I agree. Well, great, great to start off on that note. All right. <laughs> yeah, real positive. That's why we're here, right? So we're, mm -hmm. like, we wouldn't have an episode about survival if it wasn't necessary to survive right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's that's a particularly relevant business topic and culture topic right now. Yeah, so so let's talk about it. let's talk about survival in your perspective, Jeff. What does survival look like in that climate you just painted? Right. Well, I think if we're in general terms, um, it's a it's a resilience. It's a it's an ability to endure. Whether it's an individual, we're talking about an individual going through difficult times, a family trying to navigate difficult times, or a business trying to do the same things. It's it's a resilience, an ability to persevere or endure. Uh, and that requires adjustment to the surroundings, adjustment to the pressures, the external pressures we feel, uh, the existential the existential pressures that um, are now on the business or the individual or the family. Mohammed, as a business owner, what's your what's your take? So obviously, these times have been uh, very difficult for our business as well, and you know there there are many options that as a business owner I could take during these crises. Right, one is I could just go into cash conservation and save all of our cash assets and hunker down and wait for this pandemic and this situation to pass by before I come back up <laughs> and do stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that has crossed my mind. And at another angle, you know, I, uh, which is the route I'm on with, with the rest of you guys as part of our team is to take on this challenge and embrace the situation and figure out ways to survive, but not only survive, but also thrive given the opportunities that have presented itself um due to the situation because there's so much change happening and so much of our environment around us is changing uh, while our existing business model might not be as useful or valuable during these times it also has afforded us the opportunity to find new uh, avenues for our business to survive and thrive and that's the angle that i'm counting on that's the approach that I think our business is taking and every other business is afforded the same opportunity. Yeah, I agree with that, Mohammed. And I, I know from my seat and what we're trying to do at Softway, it's not just about like the product sales and the revenue coming in. It's also really the mental shift that as leaders, you have to make first to get your business in that mode of operating, right? Because, you know, if, if you think about it, 
you can't really go out and attack in an uncertain world if you haven't shifted into realizing that things are not going to be the same for a while, right? And so dreaming about yesterday or reminiscing about the way things used to be is not productive at this moment. And if the leader is not thinking in that vein or hasn't shifted into that thinking, they could fall victim to like the conservation and the um, the mode of waiting it out and not really doing much because they're hoping things go back to the exactly the way things they the way things were when we got into the mess. And and I know Jeff, you probably ha- you probably have some thoughts on that, Jeff Brown. To clarify who I'm talking to, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, uh, we can call you JB if you don't mind. I don't know, <laughs> um, but you probably have some thoughts on that. But I think that 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 shift in mindset really helps to get the the goings happening around operations. But when that isn't happening, it's just a free for all from what we what I'm hearing in other organizations. I do have some thoughts, Chris, and appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly there are businesses that will thrive through this difficult time. They're well positioned, they're in the right markets, or they have a business model where fortunately um, the stars have aligned for them. But I think the majority of businesses will be challenged uh, in ways that they haven't been challenged before. And that's gonna, enduring the, the difficulties is gonna require them to make some changes in the way they think about their business, their customers, their products, uh, and embrace those changes. And as Muhammad was talking about hunkering down and conserving uh, in order to survive through this difficulty, that's a strategy. Uh, and it's, we all need to cut back on things through these difficult times. Uh, but as part of that assessment, I think we also need to be thinking about how do we position ourselves to begin to thrive when this is over? Because this will pass. We will get through this. This situation will pass. And businesses want to, as a result of, of this difficulty, take advantage of the, of the challenge, take advantage of the need to make changes and emerge from this a stronger, healthier business, or at least ready to become stronger and healthier as a consequence. I mean, it's a um, it's a bit of a, I think, a crude expression, but several have said never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think there's opportunity in the crisis, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you used the word resilience earlier, which which kind of resonates as the as this critical path to move forward. Can you define what you mean by resilience in this context? Well, I think resilience is a is the central concept that businesses need to be thinking, need to be rallying around at this, most businesses need to be rallying around at this point in time. Um, In good times, we think about growth as the rallying point for our business and really the outcome that we're looking for from the way we run the business. But I think in these times, uh, we should be replacing growth, the concept of growth with resilience, at least on the short to medium term. So that we're positioned for for growth when these things when things change, um, but a resilient business um, is you know there are many attributes or many dimensions to what makes a resilient business. Um, we can talk about revenue models, business models, customer need, customer segments, etc., um, and they all come back to. Um, but come back to being able to generate results or, or performance out of the choices you've made in the model you've chosen. I mean, a, a good example on the revenue model side is a business that moves, that is no longer project dependent, but might be dependent on recurring revenues so that they have some predictability about the revenues that are coming in because customers have signed up uh, for the long-term rather than the short-term under a recurring revenue model. On the product side, a good example might be a business that has good upsell potential once they've entered a a customer account and sold something initially into the account. It's a land and expand model. So a business that has that kind of potential uh, because we all know it's much more expensive to acquire that customer initially than it is to hold on to that customer once we've acquired them. and it's all about customer satisfaction, meeting their expectations and, and creating cutters, customer satisfaction and loyalty. Um, and also it's about process 
and uh, process efficiency. How efficiently do we operate as a business? How economically do we operate as a business? Um, are our process and procedures, uh, do they yield uh, good profitability or sustainable profitability? Or is there a lot of waste in the, in the business and the way we're running it? So those are some examples of what creates or what the attributes of a resilient business are. So Jeff, you, you mentioned <clears throat> um, quite a few examples around process and procedures and market strategy, client strategy, and so forth. So can you help me uh, talk more about your team and the, the, the employees of the organization who are also going through this economic stress personally in their lives and, and where as, as a business, how can we get everyone on the team and the company to become resilient as well? You're teeing up the culture discussion, aren't you, Mohammed? That's what it sounds like to me, and I'm glad you caught him on it. That's a great catch. Yeah. Great catch. Um, well, I, yeah, and it it is it's the culture is absolutely essential, right? So you know, culture is the is the behavior of the organization, um, and it, it affects so much of the organization. The, the, to use another cliche. Um, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? If the organization and the people in the organization aren't of the right frame of mind, if they don't exhibit the right behaviors um, and the right attitudes, the business is gonna have a hard time pivoting, transforming, even enduring under stresses like we're feeling right now. And so that that, that culture, that whole element of culture really is the, the foundation of, of growth in a strong environment, but even more so resilience in a challenging environment like we have right now, challenge, uh, challenging economy like we have right now. So, yeah. so how does a company go about building that resilience then? Uh, do you have any insights onto that or any first steps? Well, I'll start by putting the pressure on Muhammad and Chris. <laughs> That's a great strategy. That is a great strategy, Jeff Brown. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, because the behaviors, uh, and this is why, the behaviors start by those that are modeled by the leaders of the organization. If the leaders aren't modeling the behaviors and the attitudes that the organization needs to embrace, then it's really difficult to permeate those behaviors and attitudes down through the organization. So it, it does start with leadership, right? Yep. Um, and the leadership behavior. So I'll stop yeah. there and give Chris and Muhammad a chance to comment before I go on. <laughs> yeah, no, the, thank you. Um, the first thing for my end from looking at it sort of personally, as I mentioned before, the mindset first, like getting your mind into the place of, okay, this is a new environment and there's uncertainties, right? And I can try and predict all day long about what could happen, when the markets will return, et cetera, but that's actually a waste of time. And so taking from that sort of standpoint, it becomes about really embracing risk. Because at this point, as a small business or a medium-sized business, you really have you don't have anything to lose, <laughs> right? Like, like all, you, all you have is the ability to try out new things. And so, you know, we've tried to imp uh, implement and really test a culture of experimentation where when our team see leaders willing to experiment and try new things, and that, mean, and that doesn't just mean new products, that means new ways of working, new ways of communicating, new ways of collaborating, new ways of organizing calendar, like all of those things are on the table. Like nothing is too sacred to test out or try or scrap, right? Um, and having everyone see that approach and see leaders embrace that wholeheartedly, you know, it removes that fear of punishment if something doesn't go according to a quote-unquote plan or doesn't happen according to expectation, but it does open up the learnings. You know, you get the chance to see if there's a new way to work earn revenue or even, you know, produce uh, said deliverables or products. And so for me, that's been the biggest learning is that the way I used to operate is not necessarily going to help me out in this case. So, you know, what got me 
So before COVID, it's not going to get me through COVID, <laughs> right? So how do we, you know, as leaders, help everyone understand that risk taking and being okay with not meeting maybe the outcome initially, but learning all along the way and using those learnings to catapult the next initiative that much more um, is one of the the easiest things to try because it doesn't require you to be an expert at anything but curiosity. I would also add that resilience from a standpoint of leadership to help influence the whole organization is, is being able to showcase to the rest of the team how you can fail and still pick yourself back up and move forward and take it as a learning. And so similarly, instead of instead of demonstrating, you know, punishment uh, or remorse for making a mistake or failing at, at trying things. Instead, if us as leaders, we can encourage learnings from the failure and quickly move on to trying other things and knowing what you learn from that failure and know what not to try and what to try, uh, I think demonstrating that by example, uh, us as leaders, we can, we can, encourage that resilience and that mindset and the attitude to not give up and keep trying. And I, I do agree with uh, Jeff that I know it starts with the leaders and that's a lot of pressure. I can tell you that's a lot of weight on mm -hmm. the shoulder of a leader to be able to lead and guide their team through these crises and show the resilience and demonstrate the toughness. But I also think at the same time, being able to be vulnerable and being transparent and showcasing to the rest of your org that you are human just like them and you can make mistakes as well and you can have bad days and and be anxious from moment to moment and but also demonstrate how you overcome those feelings as a human and become resilient is is key to try and help the whole organization follow your lead yeah I, I always had the sense that, I mean, I've always believed that humans by nature are resilient. Like I, I, as, as humans, we are just built to be resilient. That's how we evolved and got to where we are today. But it's almost like that's what's, that's the problem when we're trying to build this culture is that we don't always see each other as humans, especially our leaders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you see a leader up top as just this this pinnacle, you know, sitting in a chair and commanding, you know, that you don't see them as a human. It's really hard to, I think, buy into a culture of resilience when you don't first see that you're being led by a resilient human first. That's 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 a perspective that I, I'm I'm seeing in this environment. Yeah. For me, it it gets back to a fundamental comfort level. I mean, Chris talked about. Um, taking risk. Muhammad talked about um, excelling. Uh, to me, it's, it comes back to a fundamental comfort level with change, the willingness to change. We all get pretty mm -hmm. comfortable when things fall into a predictable pattern. And um, I agree with you, Jeff. As humans, we're more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and it, you know, this sort of resilience requires that we all get comfortable with change and experimentation as well, because not all change is going to work out as we anticipated. And it's recognizing that, yeah, some failures are acceptable so long as we learn from the failures. Uh, but it takes a collaborative model too, to um, consider change, uh, implement change and embrace the results of change as well. And it takes that trust in one another also, yeah. that vulnerability that Muhammad was talking about. And Jeff, I'm Jeff Brown. I'm curious, you know, you've been you've been within a lot of companies, but you've also consulted with a lot of companies. Have you seen examples, positive or negative, of how resilience was or was not a part of culture and how that played out when it came to business outcomes or acquisition or mergers? And, you know, not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot, <laughs> um, would love to learn and see if there's like some good use cases and scenarios out there that our listeners can learn from. Yeah, well, you warned me you were going to put me on the spot at some point in this. I did, but you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll speak from uh, I'll speak from personal experience here. Um, I was part of a of a company at, at one point in my career uh, in an operating role. I was running a portion of the um, of the global footprint of the business, 
and the business at the top was run by engineers and and we in our part of the business were much more entrepreneurially oriented and you see this this uh, dichotomy in a lot of businesses where you have individuals who have more of a, an accounting or engineering mindset trying to work closely with those who have a much more entrepreneurial or nimble results-oriented mindset um, not that not that we all weren't aren't focused on result generating results but we we're also separated by um, an ocean and so communication wasn't what it needed to be it was really hard to get face to face with one another mm -hmm. and the situation just contrived against us conspired against us and we just never were able to pull it together and get on the same page um, as well as and, and work as efficiently together as we would have liked and it created a very difficult situation and the organization struggled um, struggled through this never really made it through this and never really reached its its performance potential as a consequence which is a shame because it had a product that was it was ahead of its time required some attitude change on behalf of the customers to embrace it the early adopters if you will uh innovators to embrace the product but it had tremendous potential it was just a, it was a terrific product but we just never were able to take advantage of the opportunity because of the culture uh culture got in the way cultural differences got in the way behavioral differences management approach to management communicating um you know, hierarchy got in the way of collaboration I've lived in a company that had a very similar challenge and it's not fun when you're not in any leadership position, but you're watching sort of the leaders fight against each other and not want to collaborate. And you are trying to make things happen and you are, you need everybody to be on the same page. Um, and you just, you're constantly just, every day is a battle internally to the place where you, like you have no more energy to focus on even your competitors. Um, that was not a fun environment when I was in it. You know, most of my career has been in small businesses, mm -hmm. uh, small entrepreneurial businesses or working with entrepreneurial leaders uh, as they uh, work hard to grow their businesses. This stuff is hard. You know, this stuff is not <laughs> easy. And it's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. And there's just absolutely no reason to make it more difficult than it needs to be, right? Mm -hmm. Building product, recruiting customers and keeping them happy is hard. Yeah. Um, there's no reason why working together should be hard as well. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, culture shouldn't be, collaboration shouldn't be a difficult issue, shouldn't be yeah. getting in our ways. Yeah. And I know that when it comes to tying that back to resilience, when when you're faced with an economic calamity or a situation that's out of your control, and it's that much harder to communicate, collaborate, or get together to figure things out, like... I really don't know what survival looks like, to be honest. I don't I don't know how resilience is even a conversation to embark upon if you can't even just talk about everyday things. Right, right. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job of creating a resilient organization. Um, the way you have approached um, the whole business, as I call it, business to employee model. Employee, um, you know, focus on the employee making sure employees are happy, productive, safe in this environment um, is really is so important to establishing the kind of culture that um, you need to create to survive and thrive um, in this sort of environment. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate flattery. that. Thank you. Flattery will get you nowhere, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> It'll get you everywhere with me. Like, sure. forget, forget Ma and Anwar. Well, <laughs> well, get me here. an interview on your, <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, my love can be bought for everybody listening. <laughs> I'm so, not kidding, Jeff, but I am kidding. Go ahead, Mo. Jeff. Yeah, sure. So, Jeff Brown, what are some of the things that you've been implementing in your personal life and your business to demonstrate resilience during these tough times? Ooh, you didn't warn me about this question, Muhammad. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Uh, but it's a, it's a fair question. Um, number one, I think is is um, choosing an area to work 
choosing a, a consulting domain, an advisor domain that I have a passion for rather than I do because I need to make a living. So having a real enthusiasm about what I do is, is important. Um, and once again, I'm running a small advisory practice right now. So that's part of it. But I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy the, the M&A work. I enjoy the advisory work, number one. Number two, it's choosing people to work with, customers to work with, who I enjoy working with. So that you know there is joy and satisfaction that comes from those relationships. Um, choosing to work with customers who have um, who are coachable, who take advice, take guidance, who collaborate and communicate well. Very importantly, though, it's choosing customers who have strong business models and who, in my opinion, are likely to survive, who have resilience, an attitude of resilience, an attitude of adjustment, who are likely to survive. You know, at the end of the day, a big part of this is putting food on the table for our families, right? So working with customers that have little hope of surviving is probably not a good business strategy and doesn't <laughs> create a resilient business. Um, and working with working with clients who are actually are really truly committed to their business and building a, a resilient, stronger business, because they're going to put in the work and the effort. Um, and it's building those relationships with them. And it comes back to relationships, right? Building those relationships that will endure. Every relationship is going to have a rocky, a rocky part of it, uh, rocky period um, or difficulties. We won't always see eye to eye on things. But building a relationship that will endure, a resilient relationship with those clients as well. Some of the things I look for as I build my business. Very good. Thank you for sharing. So we mentioned the role of a leader in, in all of this, and we opened with how critical that was in terms of just flat out, how do you, you know, how do you build resilience? What it comes from the leader. So um, if I'm a leader trying to embrace this concept and, and make a change, what, what am I looking at? What do I need to be changing and looking at today for the listeners here? And this is to anybody. We got a lot of leaders here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to let Jeff Brown go first. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, I think we need to start a new podcast then if we're going to try and answer that question. There's, a, there's an awful lot, I think, to the answer to that question. Um, you know, it starts with a, a close examination of the business, the business model. Um, you know, it's a top to bottom assessment of the business. What are we building? What problem are we solving? Um, what customers have we? What customers are we addressing? How strong is the need uh, that those customers feel for what we offer? Can we be sustainable and differentiated in the marketplace with what we're offering? Right? Can we? So we stand out from amongst the other alternatives our target our customer may have to solve that problem. Um, are we really bringing value to the customer? in the way we solve the problem. That's sustainable as well, uh, enduring value for the customer. Um, can we do this on a repeatable basis, a scalable basis? So if we do it once, can we do it two times, three times, 10 times, and do it efficiently and profitably um, over and over again? Um, those are some of the things. And, and can we do it while we're keeping our employees happy, motivated, growing, as well in the organization. One of the biggest challenges we have is employee turnover. It is so expensive and there's a lot of hidden cost in employee turnover. Um, the cost of recruiting an employee, training an employee and getting them up to speed um, is significant, it's, it's very high. And if you couple that with the downtime that you have because a prior employee has left for whatever reason, so you have a gap in productivity that you have to fill, that you've lost. Um, and then you have to find somebody and bring them up to speed in the organization, all very expensive propositions. Um, so that employee retention, employee satisfaction is a big part, a very big part of building a resilient business. Mo, earlier you had mentioned that, you know, we're talking about leaders and you, you talking about your own context, but we talked about how you, you, you said how you have to start, you know, walking the talk and basically demonstrating these these growth mindsets essentially right you have to start showing that you're resilient um 
I, we, I get the, I get the feeling that like, even when uppermost leaders might be demonstrating it, there's still people in the ranks that are just waiting for this to pass or expecting things to go back to normal or to some sort of normal. Right. I feel like demonstrating it's one thing and an important part of it. Like if you're not doing that, then you're going to miss the mark. But what else, what else can we be doing to generate this culture that, that, that brings, that folds everybody into resilience? Cause you know, I, this is my opinion, I guess, but my perspective is that people are, there are a number of people who will see you be resilient, yeah. but they're either so far removed or not yet bought in enough. And they're, they're still just kind of taking their paycheck and waiting for, waiting for resilience to benefit them. Um, right. What do we, what do we do about that? So I think the answer lies in practicing empathy and empathetic form of leadership. And during these times, I think it's important to have care and compassion for your team members and employees, given the circumstances that we're all put into and the predicaments that come with it. But we have to also make sure that we are able to hold our teams accountable. Yes, times are tough. Things are going the way that they're going. And we all have a lot of different problems we're facing in our personal lives, work lives because of this pandemic. But I think as a leader, besides just walking the talk, we also have to be able to hold our team members accountable. And that starts with empathy. Doesn't mean I don't hold them accountable because I, I'm compassionate and care for them, but it means as a leader, how am I going to have the necessary conversations with their team to make them understand um, how to overcome these situations? How do you help them navigate around these crises? Even in their personal lives, if they're going through stuff, how can I step in and help them? And how can I guide them and coach them to deal with their personal situation and still get them to achieve the outcomes that are needed from them um, for our business? And having those crucial conversations and not shying away from it and talking about the realities that we are up against is, is one way to start building resilience in your team. And it's not through fear, but it's rather through giving that hope and confidence and showing them that you care and you can, you're there to support them and you want the best for them. And, and by, by demonstrating that you are able to encourage, motivate your team to have that resilience to get through these crises. Mm. And that's something that I, I firmly believe in and I am trying very hard to practice it. I sometimes call that kind of um, relationship with my team as tough love because I love my team, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to have those tough love conversations and, and make them realize that we got to pick ourselves up and we got to move on. We got to fight the situation. Sure, we're, we may have failed here. Sure, we may have made mistakes here, but we can't let that keep us back. We got to get up and keep fighting. And here's how I can show you, I can help you. Here's what you need to do. And have those tough conversations with your team to make them realize what, what we're here to do and how we can collectively overcome these crises. And so having those type of crucial conversations, leading with example, being transparent, um, you know, not withholding information, talking about things how it is, in a responsible way, but also guiding your team to be resilient is is something that leaders have to be ready to do. Yeah. And I think the only thing that I would add to that is a lesson that I learned from my sister actually just yesterday, which is during these times, not everybody's going to click in and get everything 100%. Even if you've been talking and giving them examples and you know explaining everything 100% to the best of their ability, people are just not all going to, you know, are going to be quick on the uptake. And so as a leader, instead of reacting negatively, when they actually click in and start understanding things and start applying the, the mindset or the approach or the ideas that you've been trying to get them leaned into, um, encourage that. Like, let people click in when they click in because that energy that they have now can actually fuel a lot more productivity, engagement, and ideas and innovation rather than 
more or less punishing them or complaining that they took this long to get into the program. Um, and so practicing, that's that's still part of empathy, um, but it's more being aware as a leader when you feel like, well, I've been fighting all this time and you guys are just now realizing we need to start fighting. <laughs> like, what, what's going on? Like, you know, I've been, you know, trying to fight, you know, 10 different battles with everybody just watching me. Um, and instead of like reacting to the team, uh, encouraging that, you know, recent, you know, revelation or uh, epiphany that people have had and encourage them to like, okay, now that you get it, now that you clicked in, now you go own it, you go drive it, right? Like you got it. Um, and being that support system and that, you know, that motivator to keep people into that frame of mind that they may have just clicked into. Um, and I think that in times like these, it's very easy for leaders to get irritated with teams that are slower on the uptake or who we feel like are not listening and they hear it from some outside perspective. And all of a sudden, you know, they've, <laughs> they've been enlightened and everything makes sense. And you're like, I've been saying this to you for three weeks. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so that's been a recent learning of mine that I think is just a part of that resilience play, which is, it's very easy for everyone to be hyper emotional, including the leader. Um, in times where you're trying to survive and trying to push a company to stay in survival mode. Um, so I would just encourage all the listeners out there to just be mindful of the fact that everyone's sort of uptake is slower um, and at different paces. And you're going to have some people that get it right away and are ready to run. You're going to have some people that want to see other people running before they get up and run. And you're going to have some people that, you know, are going to watch the entire race. <laughs> until they see that <laughs> until they see that like oh my team really needs me now is i need to get off the bleachers and go you know carry the baton right and that's okay um it's just you have to know that not everybody's moving at your pace as a leader sometimes great so i it, it i want to kind of tie this back to love of course and we, i know that there's a lot of strategic and tactical um, places to understand this. And Jeff, I'd love for you to expound on some of those connections because I'd love to know, like, you know, I we're always out to prove what does love have to do with any of this? And I think this is a great, great place to really sit and talk about that a little bit because there are a lot of tactical business decisions that have to be made to survive. Um, what's, you know, what's your take on where love fits in this equation specifically? Wow. <laughs> I haven't quite clicked in yet. Chris, can I have a little bit more time? <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay, Jeff. We all have different paces. It's okay. Like <laughs> um, you know, love is, I think it's the underpinning of the kind of culture that we're trying to create here. Love, I think, is, is, the, is the word that, that we're using here to... Um, capture and describe the kind of productive, coachable, empathetic, productive culture that we're trying to create. Um, and so, you know, I tend to think in more hard terms than soft terms. Um, and I look at outputs, outcomes. Um, and the outcome of a loving business culture is one that is, is a business that is fulfilling its mission uh, it's originally the mission it set out to fulfill while adhering to its core values at the same time. Right? It hasn't given up its its value set in the process of fulfilling its mission. And that takes a certain uh, it takes a certain foundation of love, if you will, collaboration, teamwork. I think they're all all <coughs> shades of the same color, if you will, when we're mm -hmm. talking about what drives a business forward. Uh, you need that human element that collaborates and works well together in order to get anything done. And uh, love is that strategy that optimizes that collaboration. So for me, yeah, for me, Jeff, uh, Ma, <laughs> oh, I think my lesson in resilience and love comes from a, a football game that I was physically present to watch back in 2015. I was able to watch uh, a football game between University of Houston and uh, play University of Memphis Tigers. And they both were ranked. 
and it was a uh, it was supposed to be a the tenth game of the season for Houston, and they were undefeated. This is a lot on the line for the team. And going into the fourth quarter of the football uh, game, the Houston Cougars were trailing by over twenty points and had their third string quarterback out on the field because their first string quarterback and the second string quarterback got injured. And there was literally, from a statistical standpoint, ESPN was predicting we had 0.01 chance of winning that night. Um, and I ended up watching the University of Houston Cougars come back and win that match that night. They came back with less than 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter and won by one point against the 21-ranked University of Memphis team. And what I learned from that football game after you know two days when I tuned in to watch uh, Coach Tom Herman speak about that victory, when, when he was probed by the reporters as to how their team was so resilient and how did they end up winning that match that night, what was going on, Coach Tom Herman attributed all of that to the love that the teammates had for each other the culture of love that that sports team was following and embracing. And he said that every single football team member out there wasn't fighting for themselves. They were fighting for the brother uh, who they love on the field. They were on that field to support one another. And they were, they were, they were fighting till the last second for each other. And that taught me a very important lesson in resilience that, resilient teams, whether they're in sports or inside of an organization like our company, when you care for each other to that extent, then you are now becoming resilient for the sake of those that you care for and love. And so in, an, in a crisis like this, I see the culture of love and support for one another can help build those resilient organizations to achieve those outcomes that the business needs. And uh, you're not just doing it for yourself, but you're doing it for each other and you're willing to fight for each other. And so that's where I see the parallel and the, the benefit of having a culture of love inside of a company where you care so much for one another that you don't want to see this go away. You don't want to like quit. You don't want to give up or see this crisis or this situation, you know, keep you from winning and it drives you even more to keep fighting for each other. That, that's a great point. I think I'm, I'm thinking about myself right now. And, uh, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said about, you know, in this COVID specific crisis, right? Nobody's prepared. Like, and it's kind of like n nobody knows what they're doing a lot of times. Like, it's like we're all doing brand new things. And, when this crisis first hit, I made this mental assumption that I'd be just busy working as, as so to, to climb out of this. But as we've played it out, I've actually found that a lot of my time is actually spent connecting and coaching and, 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 and connecting to, to people um, and working, but, but also mainly because it, it feels like without that, we're not able to to do these new things and step into these really scary places without each other right now. And trying to imagine this entire ordeal with the old mindset of, you know, of a, of a secure and stable, unchanging world or environment is just impossible for me to imagine right now. And, and trying to, you know, trying to imagine, you know, without the culture that I feel we've built well, surrounding me I, I just see all these efforts and initiatives and changes that we need to make falling very flat because i i would be scared to bring forth my 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 potentially terrible idea or or product that I, and i would be and i would be possibly critical of others uh, in the same way without this relationship that we have that kind of forges the trust that i'm like hey i know you're going through it i'm going through it we're both in it together we feel that connection bring your best, I'll, I'll, you know, I got your back kind of feeling is so important to me right now. So you saying that helped kind of trigger that thought for me that, that that's where that's where culture really feels necessary, not just beneficial to being resilient right now. Yeah. Well stated. 
So survival, so we're saying survival is about resilience. Uh, resilience is formed through culture and, and culture is developed through love by, by our definition, right? Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, Chris, did you have anything to, to, to add on that? I think everyone summed it up so beautifully that I would ruin it <laughs> if I contributed anything. I know people like the sound of my voice, but I will have to refrain and let the words of Muhammad and Jeff Brown and even you, Jeff Ma. Oh, even uh, me. Thank you. Con yeah, con Conclude us. I think <laughs> it's like, I mean, I just want to be Michelle. Go I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. But <laughs> Michelle doesn't close after Beyonce. Beyonce. Like, so I feel like Beyonce has already closed this show. So uh, <laughs> well, I asked for that. I asked for that Beyonce reference. You I did. The door you did. You, you walked you did. I think everyone wanted it, too. <laughs> well, with that, I want to first um, end by saying Jeff, Jeff Brown. I am Jeff, but I will make sure everyone knows I'm talking to Jeff Brown. Thank you so much for being here. You know, your, your expertise and your perspective on this matter is, is not only beneficial to our audience, but you're helping Softway through some, some tough times as well. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with us today. Well, Jeff Ma, I appreciate that. I've enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed working with you guys as well. Um, you guys are, um, are a tremendous group to work with. And uh, it's wonderful when you can work with a team who, um, who you feel you can have an impact working with. And so uh, you guys have created a, a very exciting culture at Softway. And so you need to feel good about that. And I think it'll serve you well in the future, very well as you go as you go forward. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. So, much. so we post new episodes of Love as a Business Strategy every Tuesday. And if there's a business topic you'd like us to cover, something, some feedback you'd like to give us, comments, questions, anything, Find us at softway.com slash labs. That's L-A-A-B-S. And if you like what you heard today, please do leave us a review or, or, or subscribe on Apple. That would mean a lot. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, Muhammad and Chris, for joining us as well. Thank, Thank you, Jeff. You. Thank, you, right. Jeff. Yeah, Thank, Thank you, Jeff. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs>